Welcome, everybody, to this week's live edition of Sports Blogger Radio. Yay. I'm your host, John Leary, and with me is always Scott, the live man, Blooney. Scott, no, no Irish name today? No Irish name today, man. You're going live and direct with everybody. So, what's going on, man? How you been? I've been all right, man. I've been super excited for this live show. Um, a little bit nervous, but not you know more excited than anything. Uh, just been doing my research and keeping up with... Uh, the craziness in the sports world right now. How you been doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get this uh, show going. Uh, we've got a lot of good things to talk about, uh, starting with our Red Sox. We've got some Bruins and uh, the uh, Eastern Conference Finals talk going on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about John Tortorella being fired, and I believe Jonathan Ragus will probably be joining us for that. And we will also be talking about our good old meathead, Rob Gronkowski, with his many surgeries. So with that being said, let's start off with the Red Sox. Let me know what's going on here. Well, I mean, right now I just want to say, for anyone who's listening, we're up 4-2 to two against the Phillies right now. But uh, Interleague is upon us. Uh, there was a blog recently by our friend Mark uh, about uh, Interleague and um, – you know, we've just been reacquainted with our very good friend uh, Jonathan Papelbon. Yeah, boo. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> he. Uh, he's been playing. I mean, he has two saves against us, um, and through the month of May, he's just been beasting it up. You know, point seven seven ERA with seven saves, and uh, you know, it, the you know the flamboyant fist pump the other night that people were talking about that just kind of kind of sucked. Yeah, well, that that's pretty much the uh, the dagger in the heart of Boston Red Sox fans. That's there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, when he when he hadn't left us for Philadelphia, that was a that was that you're right. That kind of sucked. So. Yeah, just you know, <laughs> watching him be like you know, watching him just like the the big pump and you know, and I felt bad for uh, you know Jackie Bradley Jr. who uh, has you know we there was so much talk about him during the Grapefruit League and uh, you know he was tearing it up. You know he had uh like a 419 average he was like the second best hitter in the grapefruit league and everyone was like oh my goodness this guy he's gonna be john farrell's big like project this season and uh right 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 you know he uh the, john farrell sent him in the pitch hit uh for the pitcher in the ninth inning wednesday against Papelbon and struck him out well so, that's uh, i mean listen Papelbon's been around for a little while he knows he knows what's up so they just send in you know, an unexperienced kid like that, kind of probably not the smartest thing to do, but you know, whatever you, you can't, you can't fault Farrell for, you know, trying. No, no, I hear you. But just, and, and that brings up the question, uh, what's going on with Jackie Bradley jr. Cause as I said before, he was playing so well in the grapefruit league and now, you know, he's got a 0.094 average batting average. And like, he just can't, he's, he's uh hitless in his last 21 major league at bats. And well, uh, I, I think that I think that goes back to uh, I want to say maybe our first or second show we were talking about Jackie, and I, we we kind of we kind of touched upon the fact that you know with a lot of these young guys they really need to kind of bring them along and stuff to really kind of get them acclimated to the the big leagues and I think I think they took Jackie Bradley Jr. and they just kind of they gave the fans what they wanted by just like throwing them in there um, and I. I don't think that was necessarily the best thing to do. I mean, I'm sure at some point in his career, he's going to be an amazing hitter. and He's going to be amazing, you know, right fielder and stuff like that. Just not right now. Just not right now. I don't think he's ready for it. I don't think, you know what I mean? Keep him in Pawtucket. Pawtucket, yes. Yes, Pawtucket, not Pawtucket. Pawtucket. You know, keep him there. Let him know. You know, this time. Yeah, because you know, in, in in Pawtucket, he's playing he's playing real well. Um, he's uh, you know, he's been batting. He's got a three four five four average, which is quite the ju- juxtaposition to the point oh nine four average. You know, he's you know playing exceptionally well in Pawtucket, Pawtucket, uh, <laughs> not Pawtucket, Pawtucket. Um, Pawtucket. So yeah, I guess that's a smart move. I mean. I don't see him uh, playing for the Sox too much longer. I know that we're, you know, we had some injuries in the outfield, um, including Shane Victorino. And, um, but, you know, Daniel Nava, he's stepped up in a big way so far. This yeah, year. exactly. Well, that I was going to actually ask you about Daniel Nava. I mean, his, his, I'm not exactly sure his statistics. I know you kind of told me earlier, but his, he, he's lighting it up. And yeah, he's, I, got, he's got a 288. You know, he's got seven homers, um, which is better than his uh, – 
he only had six homers last year in 88 games so far through 47 games. He has uh, seven, so that's definitely encouraging. Absolutely. Developing player, he's doing well. Um, yeah, you know, he stepped up in a big way, and he's providing offense. Uh, you know, Victorino, who got off to a torrid start, he was doing awesome. Uh, right, right. He Well, I mean, we all kind of expected Victorino to kind of be injury-prone throughout the year, so it's not really a surprise. But I think uh, – excuse me. I think with Daniel Nava, uh, if you remember when the whole Boston Marathon thing happened and their first game back in Fenway Park, Daniel Nava is actually the one that hit the home run uh, to win the game. So, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I consider him kind of a hero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's been stepping up. He, he's shown a lot of heart, definitely, and, uh, yeah, you know, he's right. continuing to play well. He's a younger guy. and We can expect big things from this kid, I think. Uh, we should hold on to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick, I just want to blast out the phone number for anybody that wants to call in. 347-237-5373. Give us a call. Let us know what you think about the Red Sox. Um, there are so yeah. many sevens and threes in that number. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's easy um, to remember. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, we were talking a little bit about Shane Victorino being injury prone. Speaking of injuries, this yes. has got to be one of the most, the most absurd injuries I've ever heard of. I guess uh, – <laughs> Clay Buckles, our, our ace, who is 7-0 this season with a sub-2 ERA, um, he was injured by sleeping uh, with a baby in his arms, I, I well, guess? Not, well, let's let's set the record straight. Not with a baby. His sleeping baby. with a baby. Was sleeping with his baby. Yes, that's what, his that's baby. That's implied. Not... <laughs> sleeping with his baby in his arms, I guess. He woke up and said that it, quote-unquote, felt a little tight. Um, what? Well, first of all, I'm going to call... Lame. I'm saying that right off the bat. Clay Buckholtz, they – Clay Buckholtz is not – he's not hurt himself because of some sort of like, you know, sleeping wrong. I, the Red Sox have a tendency to do this all the time where they, they'll they they'll go ahead and they'll say some sort of injury and they'll keep him down. I mean, the guy's been pitching lights out, so they're obviously going to keep him under wraps for a little couple of games. That, that's my take on it. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's silly that he's complaining about irritation in his AC joint because of, you know, sleeping with his baby. Um, I don't think that that's actually what's going on. I mean, I could be wrong. That could actually be what it is, but I think that's very unlikely because he's a tough guy. Like he lifts, he's a, he works out. He's a professional athlete. Like he's not going to get injured like that. I don't think, um, well, I mean, he's pitched 72 innings thus far this season, and it it begs the question: um, Do you think they're trying to manage his, uh, you know, they're trying to manage his in, manage his innings a little bit and try? Absolutely, to... yes, I absolutely do think that's exactly what's going on. I think, I think John Farrell is probably taking a like slower approach for him and making him feel, you know, getting him ready for possibly, you know, after the, um, you know, All Star break and getting him ready for possibly the. Uh, um, the playoffs, you know, if, if they make it there, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead and say that they're going to make it, but, um, you know, I I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, really do. Because it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a viable injury. You know what I mean? No, no, absolutely not. But a viable injury that we should be concerned about is Dustin Pedroia. He's the latest yeah. show. We need him to perform. And despite um, – like he pulled or teared his ulnar collateral ligament. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, that sounds good to me. <laughs> against the New York Yankees, he was winning. They're winning eight to two, and of course, because he's Dustin Verdura, and he has to, you know, always completely work 110 percent of the time. Uh, right. Split into first, you know, whatever. But um, you know, he's played all the games. Um, he's all he started all 53 games, and he's playing the best in his career with his injured thumb. So like. Is this is this something for us to be worried about, or you know, uh... you know, I think with Dustin Pedroia, he because of the the way he is and because of the way he plays and he conducts himself, I don't think it's a concern. I think you know they probably shoot him up a little bit of cortisone, uh, cortisone and you know he runs right back out there because he's he's that type of player. He's not gonna just sit down because of a little thumb injury. You know, at least that's you know what that what I think. You know they. Pedroia, he's got all heart, you know what I mean? And he's playing for a reason. He's playing to get his teammates behind him and not just sit down when they feel like they have a little ailment, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so his toughness is, is pretty high up there, if you ask me. 
All right. So, um, again, Dustin Pedroia playing the best of his career. Right now he's got a batting average of uh, .332, which is outstanding, and he's played all every game so far this season. So, um, well, that's yeah. what it, and that goes back to the whole toughness thing. I mean, he's he's playing – He's playing and he's showing, you know, other, um, you know, other players that he can do this. And if he can do this, then they can do this. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I, I respect that. And I've always respected Dustin Pedroia, even during the whole <laughs> chicken and beer. Sidney Crosby, out, but... take notes, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that point. Don't uh, don't you worry about that. Um, but it's, where do you see where do you see the Red Sox going? I mean, they had a little bit of a hiccup there. They're starting to play a little bit better ball. Um, you know, like you said, they're currently leading the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, do, what do you think, man? Do you think they? I think, think that I think they have the potential to make a run this year. I really do. And uh, they have improved. They, we, you know, all the talk in the offseason was about Toronto and how good Toronto is going to be and how you know great their team is. And I have seen nothing to suggest otherwise. I've seen nothing to suggest that the Red Sox can't compete on the highest level of play and they can't succeed and they can't, you know, make a, make a run in the championship. They're playing really well. I believe they're in first right. or second place um, in the AL. Um, I believe they took over first. Uh, well, they lost yesterday, but the Yankees lost yesterday as well. So, I, mean, so I, I, I think, uh, I think they're still, I think they have a game and a half lead. So, you know, I, I've seen nothing to say. We'll see. We'll, we'll have this conversation later on. But as of right now, they're looking great. And I I don't really doubt that they can they can make it that far. You know, we have one of the best pitchers. As long as he stops holding, you know, his child while he's sleeping, um, he stays healthy. Um, I think that we have a good we have a good chance. Let me let me ask you real quick about uh, John Lester then. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, there's the silence. Oh, ooh, John Lester. Uh, John Lester's a. Somewhat of a hiccup lately. Uh, he's still but, playing pretty good, but the thing is, like, he had a great start when he when he got injured, and he's shown that he can play very well. But he's also shown that he can play very poorly. It's it's a, like it's a it's night and day with him. Yeah. Um, it, if he can find a level of consistency to his game, I think that John Farrell is definitely going to help him get there. If anyone's going to help him get there, absolutely. Um, you know, then we can start talking about how he's you know, you know, great. I don't know. So it's tough. <laughs> it's right. tough. That's All a right. tough question. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and start this right now because I know we'll be talking about this for a while. Bruins, Penguins. What do you think? Who's going to win this? Who's, who's going to win this? Who's going to win this? Bruins in seven. Um, That's what I oh, say. You're saying seven games, huh? I'm. This is going to be – this is going to be a tough – Tough yeah, series. it is going to be a tough fought series. I, I absolutely agree. There's there's no doubt in my mind. But in the end, though, I mean, all right. Well, so let's 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 break it down a little bit. Um, so let's talk about, you know, so far, you know, in terms of offense, you know, Bruins versus Penguins. Penguins, there's no, yeah, there's no comparison. The yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Uh, Pittsburgh and, is a far more superior team in the offensive side. You know, I just. I mean, while David Krejci, he enters the conference finals with uh, 17 points, he has five goals and 12 assists, like, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jerome McGinley, they're all up there with him, around 15, 16 points. Uh, Chris Letang, who's one of the best puck-moving offensive defensemen, you know, he's playing on another level right now. He's got 16 points. They have so much depth. If you have Brendan Morrow on your third line, like he was the former captain of the Dallas Stars, and he is a great player, and he's a great hockey player. Right. It just goes to show that they have a tremendous amount of depth. Um, But, you know, really, if you look at the stats, and I looked at this earlier, um, through two rounds, the Penguins have 4.27 goals per game, which is – you know, ridiculous. They're scoring four goals a game, more than four goals right. a game. Right. The Bruins have the second best with just over three goals per game, 3.17. And we were up against the best goaltender in Henrik Lundqvist. Now, yeah. I understand that, you know, Craig Anderson of uh, Ottawa, you know, he had a great season. But in the playoffs, he was pretty shaky. And Evgeny, Malkov, Evgeny Nabokov, those are Russians, um, <laughs> <laughs> Malkov, uh, you know, he's not exactly – like a tremendous goalie by any standards, you know, um, it was right. mainly their offense that got them into the playoffs. I don't think it was any great goaltending. So like, while there is an advantage, it might not be as big as mo- many people think, but they still have an advantage. So, um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying that if anybody can beat the 
Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins can. They are the ones that probably match up the best to them than a lot of the other teams. Obviously, the Islanders, Islanders were the eighth seed. You know what I mean? And they gave them, you know, they gave them kind of like a, you know, a little bit of a hard time. They, you know, they won two games. Uh, Ottawa, the seventh seed, they kind I, of. Ottawa. Know. The thing is, is you can't really say much about Ottawa because Ottawa just had just come off a very physical series against the Canadians. Um, yeah, that was a brutal series. That was a very brutal series, and I, I think honestly, I just think that the Senators just didn't have. You know, they they were tired. I think. I think they were tired. They Definitely. were beat up. You know, so they went ahead and, you know, they gave the Pittsburgh a little bit of a hard time. Well, excuse me. The Islanders gave them a little bit of a hard time. You know, Ottawa not so much. But not only that, but one of the problems with Ottawa was that they were matching up Eric Carlson with you know some of the top offensive lines because he's our top defenseman. What right. people don't realize is that Eric Carlson is not a sound defensive defenseman, like by any standards. In my opinion, at least, the entire playoffs, I was watching, um, you know, I was watching him, you know, make bad plays on the boards, bad plays in the neutral zone, just defensively. And, you know, that's somewhere where I think the Bruins are definitely going to have the advantage is in defense um, against the uh, Penguins. Like, we've allowed a a relatively, in playoff terms, low goals against per game in 2.33, which is not terrible this is, this is the playoffs to talk about that's not bad that's pretty low compared to right. you know other teams that are remaining so okay with well with that being said in the whole defensive side what do you think that you know Tuka Rask versus um god I can never remember the guy's name uh Thomas Volkun yeah Thomas Volkun yes um how do you think they match up together like you know comparison they me right. personally I think Rask has a little bit more of an edge but I want to hear your thoughts on that well, I think that if I think that one of the things that's going to help Tukaras a lot is the fact that we got Char and Seidenberg, the best shutdown pair that I can see. I mean, if you watch the Vancouver when we won the Stanley Cup, they're the best. They shut down the Sedin twins completely, and I think that um, you know if you look at the goalies, Thomas Vokun, he's six and one with a one point eight five goals against because Mark Andre Fleury, you know. Crapped the bed on this one. He really struggled against the Islanders, going two for two with a 3.4 goals against and like not even a more than a nine save percentage, 90% save percentage. Um, right. Tuca has not been pulled. He's shown why he's one of the league goaltenders, in my opinion. Um, this is not the bias in me coming out. I think that he's really, while he allows some soft goals, like he outdueled Henrik Lundqvist. Um, and, you know, he's he's boasting a 2.22 goals against a 0.928 save percentage. He continues to come up with big timely saves that allow us to win. He did have that game four hiccup, and that was one of the worst games I've seen in his career, hands down. But he bounced back in a huge way and maintained composure in a 28 save performance against uh, uh, the Rangers in game five to close out the series. So, like, you know, there was... There were some. We had some doubts about Tuca, and then he just, you know, dispelled them, which I thought was important for him. Um, okay, well, Rask, real, real quick, uh, looks like we have a we have a phone call here from uh, our good friend Mike Mike McShay. So I'm going to go ahead and answer that real quick and get him on here. Here, all right? Yeah. All right. Mike, hey guys, there? how we doing? How we well, doing? Hi, pretty good, Mike. How you doing? Very, very good. I wanted to just call real quick. I wanted to congratulate you on your first live broadcast. Nice job, oh, there, thanks, guys. Man. Thank you nice very much. Job. I appreciate it. Yeah, How you doing, I, Mike? I, well, we just got done shooting uh, the uh, uh, most recent edition of Five Minutes at the Frat House here. I mean, literally. Just literally, uh, just minutes ago. In fact, gave Excellent. you guys a, a big, big shout-out on that one uh, in our 91st episode, uh, sidekick coming to me from St. Louis, and I just I said right on the show, got to get over there, got to give these guys a call. Uh, oh, man, we appreciate thing. that. This is a big, big thing for you guys to be going live, and I hope you're getting a lot of input, a lot of calls from your folks out there in Boston. Yeah, we're uh, well, our, our chat room is filled up with a bunch of people, so. Well, there you go. Oh. We just got another phone call. Jeez. Well, see that? Look, look what I look what I prompted. Isn't that wonderful? You show stuff? up and you bring the people with you. I like it. Well, that's what we got to do. We got to get you know we got to get these people calling in and and giving you a holler. One quick thing, and I'll let you go because I want you to get back to your show. Uh, I'm here in Pennsylvania, of course, and uh, of course, a big story around here is uh, that out in Pittsburgh land, of which I'm not a member of, 
they won't yeah. serve Sam Adams any longer. Yeah, that is, that's <laughs> such <laughs> yeah. whatever, man. All right, that's, all right. I'm going to go out and say that Sam Summer is the best summer beer that I've ever had. So you know what, Pittsburgh, if you're deprived of Sam Summer, that's too bad. And I'm sorry that that's, you're part of it. All right, that's all I got to say about that. You know, you know, I mean, they can go ahead and we can we'll take all the Sam Adams ourselves. They don't need to have any. Yeah, yeah, we can take it. Just ship it over here. We have a great time. Watch the games with Sam Summer and Sam Adams, and it'll be great. <laughs> Uh, real quick, uh, obviously, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to blow your, uh, your, any kind of predictions that you're going to be making. Uh, but, uh, uh, you guys got a tough series there. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is this going seven games or what? I think yeah. it's going seven games. Yeah. Uh, both Scott and I believe it's seven games. Yep. Yeah. I think it's going to go seven as well. Uh, I won't tell you, however, how I think it might be ending. I'll, I'll yeah, leave that. I'm sure, you, I'm sure that you think, just along with just about the rest of the world, how you know that the Penguins are going to win, which is fine. I like being the underdog. We were the underdog against Vancouver, and we stomped them. So, whatever, I can deal with it. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. I am rooting for the Bruins. Yeah, I, you know, so am I, man. <laughs> Welcome to the show. You chose the right show to call up. <laughs> well, I tell my I tell all my fans out there all the time. Listen, if you want to get out to a show where these guys talk Boston sports and know it like nobody else, get out the Sports Blogger Radio. Got to call the Blogger. Yes, I got it right. Blogging I it finally up. got it right. <laughs> the Blogger. The Blogger. All right, guys, I'll let you get back to it. And thanks very much. And congratulations again. Thanks, thanks Mike. Mike. We appreciate it. All right, you take care. All right. Bye. Bye. He's awesome. He is awesome. It's a great guy. Wait, so do we have another caller right now? You have another call. I'm going to go ahead and take that right now. What do you think about that? Sure, go for it. All right. It's exciting. I like it. Hello, you're on Sports Blogger Radio. Hello, this is Sal Rosenberg from Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> what? I say the Penguins are going to win it in five. Is that you, John? Hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> How you doing, man? Good, man. We just got off the guys, phone. Guys, it's having a good oh. live. Thank nice. you. Yeah, uh, so, it, it uh, was going good until Michael, then, then I wanted to turn it yeah, off. Yeah, I know, so. yeah, you kind of you mixed up the whole thing. Oh, yeah, your New know. York accent is worse than I remember, man. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. It's so bad, even I can hear it. <laughs> so, all right, John, since we have you on, um, what do you think about this John Tortorella firing? Not a fan of it. Do not support it at all. I uh, was very adamant about the Rangers not firing John Tortorella, but, of course, it took me by surprise that they did fire him. And, uh, you know, it is what it is right now. Whoever comes in going to have to support him. Um, but, once again, I did not support the, you know, the firing of John Tortorella at all. Yeah, I absolutely agree. that It was it was not a very good firing. Um, I'm not even – obviously, I'm not a New York fan by any means, but John Tortorella, I feel, was the best person uh, for the New York, New York market. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, listen, if the rumors are true and he did lose the team and a lot of players spoke out – about Tortorella to uh, the you know Rangers brass and the upper management, then yeah they had to make the move, no doubt about it. Um, but honestly, I, I I really don't see that any of the players really did that, and they're reading into a lot because of Henrik Lundqvist's comments that had nothing to do with John Tortorella about him resigning. You know you, you know what they just lost a, a, a big playoff series, and uh, you know Lundqvist was uh, fed up. I, I don't blame him for the comments he made, but I don't think it had anything to do with John Tortorella. Okay, I was, I was just actually about to ask you that. I, I read, the, I heard the comments that he made where he said, like, they asked him, "Hey, you're going to sign a, a, a long-term extension." He was like, "Nah, maybe." <laughs> nah. So yeah, he's going to resign. Trust me. I mean, if yeah, yeah listen, it's yeah. he's going to get the money from from New York. He wants to stay in New York. That's where he wants to be. He's big into fashion. You know, it's listen. You know what, Henrik Lundqvist, with what he wants to do and what he's already doing, he's not going to do that somewhere. In uh, let's say Detroit, he's not going to do that anywhere. Also, New York's the place for him. He's not going to go anywhere. I'm, I'm. You know what? If he does leave, I would be unbelievably shocked, and that would kill the New York Rangers as an organization. But I just don't see it happening. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave either. I think he's no. too much part of that team's identity. I think he's too much Listen, part of the city's identity. Um, yeah, Lundqvist leaving New York is like Crosby leaving Pittsburgh. It's like Zetterberg that's not, leaving that's not Detroit. Happen. It's never. not yeah, going to happen. That will never happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I yeah. got a que- I got a question, a quick one, if you don't mind. Um. The Brad Richards, uh, John Tortorella saga. You know, they they won a Stanley Cup together in Tampa, in Tampa Bay, and now their relationship is. I mean, do you think that that kind of the bench and the lack of like offensive um, 
input had anything to do with this firing? No, no, no. Well, well you know what? The offense, absolutely it does. You know, it's been sour. Even even last year when they were in first place, the offense really wasn't there. And, uh, of course, you heard everybody saying, well, if we had Rick Nash last season, you know, they easily could have beat the New Jersey Devils. I, I mean, we, we hear it all the time. Um, you, you know, it, it was bad. The offense was bad. The power play was bad. But I still thought that John Tortorella warranted another season because of the lockout, no training camp, no preseason. I think that really hurt the Rangers this season. I mean, and, there was only one uh, year you know, left to on... fire him after a lockout year. I thought it was just uh, awful. Yeah, yeah he, had, he had another year on his contract, didn't he? Yes, he He's did. So pension, honestly, right? you know what? To me, it was either either the Rangers had to extend him or had to fire him. I don't think uh, with one year left they would have left him there. So I think they took the ultimate decision and said, you know what, let's just can him, get somebody new in here, and see if we can get the power play and the offense going. So I've been hearing a lot of rumors about, um, I mean, they're, they're everything from Guy Boucher from Tampa Bay to Elaine Vigneault to... Whatever you do, my, uh, Scott, do not say Mark Messier. I, I'm yes, going to say don't. Mark Messier. Yeah, don't say please it. Don't, don't bother. I've been hearing rumors, uh, you know... It's, it's, it, it's, it's the sexy pick, and I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. Listen, he's not even going to be a candidate for the head coaching job. That's the uh, the brainless Rangers uh, fans throwing that out All there. Right. And, uh, All right. You know, it's That's what today, I was thinking. But, you know, listen, Mark Messier, he's going to be groomed eventually for the GM, possibly president's job. Once Glenn Sadler leaves, he'll most likely take over. They're not going to take the chance of putting a Mark Messier, a Brian Leach, and Adam Grazer, even a Mike Richter as a coach or even an assistant coach with this team because – they know if they do bad, the fans are going to turn on them instantly, and they'll never, ever take the chance of letting the captain, Mark Messier, have the Rangers fans turn on him. And and that's, so, and by putting him as coach, that's exactly what's going to happen in a few seasons. So, me, so who well, do you see? Do you see, like, Lindy Ruff or Elaine Vigneault coming in? Because I've heard, like, people talking about how, you know, oh, if they could have traded coaches, they just probably should have. Like, what, what, who do you see? Who's your ideal candidate for this job? My ideal candidate is Dave Tippett from Phoenix. That's who I want to see coach this Rangers team. But ultimately, in the end, I think it's going to be Lindy Ruff. It's not going to be a terrible, terrible choice if they go with Lindy Ruff. He is a very good coach. We saw him a lot in Buffalo. Even with Elaine Vignot, it's he's not a terrible coach. He did a lot of good things in Vancouver. But with the team that they have that's built to win now, you've got to go after a guy like Dave Tippett because there's been no NHL coach in this league that has done so much with absolutely so little, and that's why I have, typically I agree would be a perfect yeah, choice yeah. for this team. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna, uh, John. Let me throw a quick name out at you, and I know you're gonna laugh at it, but Wayne Gretzky. What do you think about him? You know, it's you know what he's got coaching experience. It's it's nothing good, um, but then again, he had some terrible <laughs> teams in Phoenix, so it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, and then listen, Dave he's not a candidate. Off. I don't think you'll ever see Wayne Gretzky coach again in this league unless he gets the itch to be closer to the ice than he is now. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, there are a few names out there that are going to be in this uh, coaching carousel, you might as well say. And, uh, Phil Jackson? You know, one of them actually probably be Tony Granato. So. <laughs> Do you think Phil Jackson will have a shot? <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not, man? He's uh, You know what? He's actually rumored to go everywhere, so why not? Let's throw Phil Jackson into the New York Rangers. Here we go, oh, Phil Jackson for the Rangers head coaching job. Let's there you not go. talk about Phil Jackson, please, my goodness. I don't want to <laughs> well, deal with I, this. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know, but if Phil Jackson comes, man, Kobe Bryant's going to suit up, man, and play for the Rangers. Huh? <laughs> I mean, he might contribute more to the power play than Brad Richards did this, this playoff, so, you know, I, maybe it's I think that a thing. lot of people could contribute more to the power play than Brad Richards did this year. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a shame, nice. but listen, um, that gives I, me hope, I, I just don't see Brad Richards with the team next year, so I think uh, they're going to use their gonna, last amnesty on him. Are they going to buy him out? Or amnesty? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. Appreciate the insight. Look at that. <laughs> we hey, got man, you know what? We're the New York Rangers over here, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you calling no in, buddy. Guys, congratulations on the live show, man. You're doing a good job, and uh, look forward to listening to the rest of it. All right, thanks, thanks. John. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Well, I mean, I well, there we go, man. I I still think that it's going to be Lindy. I like he said, I think it's going to be Lindy Ruff because Lindy Ruff has the most experience, and uh, you know, he coached the Buffalo Sabres for 15 years. He's a great coach, and I mean. They need some offense. He's always been more of an – he's not – like he said, it's not a terrible choice. I guess Dave Tippett is the ideal choice, says the Rangers fanatic, but right. I, I'm going to say Lindy Ruff. I'm going to say – I'm going to put my, 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 my bet on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree with you guys. Um, you know, real quick, on the, uh, I'm back onto the old uh, Bruins-Penguins 
storyline. Uh, kind of like a small storyline that I'd like to talk about is Yami Yager going back to Pittsburgh um, to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think that's kind of – I mean, maybe not a lot of people would, you know, think of it as a storyline, but I think I kind of think it's it – has, has something uh, like, you know, yeah, it, storybook it's definitely, there, you know? It's definitely um, something that's kind of, you know, interesting. You know, he, he – during his rookie season in 1990, 1990, geez, that was before I was born. Yeah, uh, 1990, 1991. Um, he won the cup with the with the Pens as an 18 year old rookie, and in that in the process, he defeated the Bruins four to two. So he he has had experience with this rivalry. Now he's on the other side for the first time. It's going to be a yeah. little bit surreal to him, I think. Um, you know, he's 41 years young. You know, because you know how our Boston Bruins love to pick up the old guys. I mean, well, you know, the Mark Recchi kind of the Mark Recchi type player that we had when we won the cup was definitely, you know, Mark Recchi was contributing more, but um I think that that's part of our that's part of what makes us work very well and I think that that's okay. Um Yarmar Yager is going to break it soon. I I know it. I can no, sense it. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about it before the show. He will definitely break it. And I think, you know, what better time to break it than against his old former club. You know what I mean? Like Imagine that. How how awesome would that be? Uh, yeah, I think that I think that he definitely he's been flying around the net lately, and he slows. I keep on saying this. He slows down the game in a good way, and he creates offense, and he's so strong on the puck that he can, you know, really he, he does well for Brad Marchand and and um, Patrice Bergeron. Right. And um, <laughs> Yager <laughs> Taylor scores. So that, that's that's all right. Um, but uh, you know, I think that he's good. He's only he's only had four assists. He's had no goals. He's put 36 shots on net. Um, despite not scoring, he's been creating a lot of opportunities. And you know, in New York, he was robbed by Henrik Lundqvist more than once. Um, yeah, and I think absolutely. That, you know, I think that him. He robbed himself a couple of times, to be honest with you, though. You know what I mean? He had a couple he did, but clear he's, open nets, and he still missed. He's flying around the net. I think that he's going to score sooner rather than later. Um, I think that Sagan should stay for now on the third line. You see him getting better. You see how in the New York Rangers series, he went, he got better through every game with Rich Peverly and Chris well, he, Kelly. Tyler Sagan's going to bring something to the third line that I don't know. I mean, we've, we've talked about it. All of Boston sports media has talked about it is – that third line, it's so nostalgic. It, it, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And it, Tyler Sagan's bringing something to it that it, I don't know if it's like kind of sort of waking him up or not, but something's going to break with them sooner or later. Well, well, before you say that it's nostalgic and it's bad, like if you look last season, Brian Rolston, when he joined the club and he started playing on the third line, he was doing so well and our third line was playing great with Chris Kelly. And I think mm. that Chris Kelly's injury – he hasn't really been the same since. I believe he took a knee-on-knee hit from Chris Neal, his former teammate and best friend, uh, earlier on in the season. Yeah. And um, well, he was wasn't now real quick. Wasn't Chris Kelly a twenty-goal scorer last year? Yeah, he was. I mean, so he he had a really good year last year. So obviously the Bruins rewarded him with a two two-year contract. I, th- I believe I believe three, but the, a three-year contract. The thing yeah. is, the thing is, since the injury, he hasn't been the same, and um. I think that right now Sagan has definitely elevated his game to a point where, you know, he scored that goal. You saw how emphatically he was, like, pumped up and he was ready to go. And yeah. um, I think that at this point the third line is going to continue. They're going to see this challenge in, in Pittsburgh. I think that, um, you know, the second line is going to play well. I don't even know who our second line is because the Lucic line and the Bergeron line are both, you know, our first line on any given night. But the third line is going to elevate their game with everyone else because they realize that this is – this is the most challenging opponent that we're going to face. We we dropped right. the, the season series to them three nothing. Like they they beat they beat us all three times. And yeah. um, you know. Let me let me go ahead and ask you this real quick. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No no. Fourth line, the Merlot line. They this, obviously had a really good series against the Rangers. How do you think they're going to go ahead and match up against the Pittsburgh uh, not Pittsburgh Pirates Pittsburgh Penguins? This is what we were talking about before the show. Um, this is my matchup for the game. This is what I think is going to be most important for the Boston Bruins. Yes, you and your man crush, Daniel Paye. All right. For those of you who don't know, Daniel Paye is my favorite hockey player right now. Him or maybe Ryan Callahan. Don't hate me, um, Boston fans. But he's the, one of the best hockey players I know. Um, I don't – well, anyway. Um, <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh 
is scary because of their insane power play numbers. Right now, they have almost a 30% success rate, um, and they've drawn the third most penalties. Uh, and I guess now, actually, they have the most penalties drawn because San Jose and Detroit have been knocked out. So um, they have the most penalties drawn so far remaining in the playoffs. And while the Bruins' power play has been kind of doing better lately, it's the penalty kill that's been uh, bailing us out sometimes. Um and I think that part of what makes our penalty kill so good is our fourth liners. And the fact that they can play the PK so well, and I'm looking at Gregory Campbell and Sean Thor- and um, Daniel Paya here as the main uh, penalty killers on the fourth line. Right. They play it so well, and they give guys like Patrice Bergeron a break that he really desperately needs. So um, I think that the matchup here – it's going to be our fourth line providing time that our bigger guys need to relax and kind of like, you know, regain composure and kind of regain themselves. Right. And um, I think that, you know, their fourth line, like you said, they scored like four or five goals last game. Um, and I think that they can get it done. I really do. I think that our fourth line is the best in the NHL hands down. I think that in that respect, our depth goes a little deeper than the Penguins, even though they have crazy scoring. But in terms of lines that we can roll out, you know, I know that Pittsburgh rolls out four lines as well, but our fourth line is just, uh, they're going to be good. They're going to create chances for us. And they're also going to alleviate some of the pressure that our big guys feel. So that's, that's what I, I think about the fourth line. I think that's going to be the key matchup is the fourth line and how they handle the Penguins and if they can inject energy into the Boston lineup. Okay. One more thing about the Boston Bruins and we'll have to move on from that. But um, Tori Krug. That is, that is, listen, for, you know, once again, for people that don't know Boston sports, we love the undersized, undermanned guy. Tory Krug is a beast. A beast. Yeah. <laughs> we got, we got the Lou and we got the two and now we got the crew. Um, Tory Krug. Uh, you know, and Barkowski have been doing exceptional jobs. I don't want to completely overshadow Barkowski, but Krug, he is, um, you know, he's the first defenseman, I think, the first rookie defenseman to score four goals in five playoff games or something like that, something absurd like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just something we haven't had before. People are shocked. Like, people are like, oh, my God, this is the second coming. Like, he's amazing. It's just something we haven't had before. We haven't had a – Ray Borg, right? Not for a long time. Ray Bork was a physical guy, but this guy is purely, you know, his defense isn't bad. His defense isn't great. Right. But his offense, he brings, he he brings it through the neutral zone and and shoots and he gets involved in the offense and people are just like, wow, where has this been? Like we haven't seen this in forever because the Bruins system doesn't really have that at all. He has nine points, um, in the five games. Uh, you know. He's been playing on a different level, and I think that you know, uh, definitely keep him in. Don't don't bring in Ference uh, if he's better. Don't bring in Wade Redden if he's better. I think that you know that's going to be a problem for the Bruins looking forward. But um, yeah, that's, def- that's definitely going to be one thing that they're going to have to look at once you know everybody once everybody's uh, you know a little bit more healthy. But uh, I, I mean, Tori Krug, why take out the hot hand? She's playing simple. See, the thing is that. You know, Cloud is kind of old school, and he might consider that. Um, you know, but we'll see. I think that Krug should stay in. I think that he's making great contributions. He's playing his game. He's playing well. And as long as he keeps on doing, you know, putting the puck in the back of the net and making good decisions with the puck, like, there's no reason for us to take him out. Um, and I think that he's going to continue his success against, um, you know, it, a, a, spot, <laughs> a, a spotty a spotty defense that, that – that can be exposed in Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move on now since we've talked a lot about the Bruins. I mean, um, it is the big news in Boston, though. It is. That's what's happening news. right now. Well, the other big news in Boston is our beloved Rob Gronk, Gronkowski, going in for for a, yet another surgery. Uh, this time it's a quote-unquote minor back surgery. Uh, I don't know too many people out there that have – "Quote unquote minor back surgeries, but apparently, you know, it's pretty minor. Um, he's expected to miss at least half of training camp. Um, no, excuse me. Yeah, about half. You know, half of training camp, and possibly, you know, a couple of games in the uh, beginning of the season. You know, I, I'm. Um, he's had six surgeries since 2009. 
during the season and off season. Like three hundred on his arm. <laughs> you know, and Mouth it, doesn't even add up, but that's <laughs> you know, I just um the question is I'm looking at the 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 New England Patriots schedule right now. The the big like adverse like the big uh the big team that we really have to compete against, I think, is the Bengals who are in our division and um well, they're not in our division. I mean, no, 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 not the Bengals. I'm sorry. Um, we, you know, it's like we don't really have that much competition in the first six weeks. I mean, then we have New Orleans, and we want to win that game because we want to prove that we're we're a contending team. But right. we really don't have that much. We have to – I mean, first of all, we have to set the record straight. I mean, we're basing this all on last year's record. Obviously, it's a new year. It's new teams. Um, we yeah, know – No Welker. Yeah, and no Welker, exactly. I mean, we know right off the bat that um, looking at the schedule, none of the teams are going to be a cakewalk this year. You know what I mean? Especially the Miami Dolphins. You know, they stacked up this year. So I'm not worried so, about Miami. I'm really not. But, okay, anyway. But, you know what I mean? But that kind of brings along if, – if Gronk's not ready to go, uh, two years ago – excuse me, not two years ago. Last year. Yes, at the beginning of this uh, last year – we went ahead and we claimed Jake Ballard off the waiver wire. Giants were so from, pissed. Yes, from the New York Giants. Uh, they they obviously they put him on the waiver wire because they were going to restructure his deal and then resign him. Those of you who don't know, uh, Jake Ballard tore his ACL in the Super Bowl that he, they played against the New England Patriots. So, you know, Bill Belichick being the uh, sneaky guy that he is, they, he went in and, and, and scooped him up, and he's going to be he's going to have to fill the void that Gronk is going to leave, you know, during, during, you know, his absence. So I, I got to ask you, Scott, what do you think? What do you, how do you think Jake Bell's going to do? Do you think he's going to go ahead and be able to take the pressure? Cause I mean, not for nothing. Gronk, Gronk was a playmaker, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. But actually, I wouldn't say that Gronk was our playmaker. I'm going to say Tom Brady's our playmaker. He is. You know what? Okay. I I know. I know. I know. But here's the thing: six foot six, 275 pound Ohio State University product. Um, He 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 reported to ESPN that you know he's been rehabbing. He's back to full health, and he says that he feels like a Patriot. He's had a full year to learn this playbook. Not a full year. I mean, well, let's let's quickly rewind that and remember how much. He tore us apart in that Super Bowl. I remember. I mean, he's a good player. He is. He's a very good player, and he will. He obviously, you know, when Bill Belichick picked him up, it was a great signing because he he fits this tight, uh, two tight end scheme as best as they can. You know. Yeah. So Hernandez will, will most likely be back from injury. Um, he's right now rehabbing from a shoulder injury uh, he received earlier this off season. Um, you know, I think that he's going to be, you know, playing the season opener. I think that Jake Ballard is going to be a, f- a fantastic addition to the two tight end set. You know, Absolutely. the question really is, does do we put Gronk, do we sit him out for a while and let him get to full 100% or do, do we try to play him as soon as we can? Well, you would, you had brought that up to me uh, before the show asking me if you feel that they should put him on the uh, PUP list. And I said no. You said yeah because they could possibly afford to you know let them sit for some games and stuff, but I don't think that they should. Be honest with you, I I I mean don't get me wrong, I think they should take their time with him. I think they should let him like recoup and and put him in when it really matters. But I don't think they should put him on the physically unable uh, playlist because it's it's almost a little bit you know if they do that he won't be available to come back until i think the sixth or seventh week seventh week so that would be the jets so he would miss a game against the bills the jets the buccaneers the falcons the Bengals, and the saints well that's i mean two two of the teams there are in our division i mean we want to make sure we go ahead and what bills and jets yeah i'm that's not like do you are you worried by the bills or the jets i it's not necessary that i'm worried but those are to me, those are must-win games. He's not going to make the Bills game regardless, and it's and if he makes the Jets game, which is a Thursday night game, uh, you know that'd be great. But uh, that's early. Those are the two first games. If we put him on the you know the physically unable to perform list, it gives him the six weeks to recover. The two game, he's not going to be able to make the first game anyway. And we have Jake Ballard, who you know according to ESPN and Nesson and OTAs looks really good right now. Okay. 
So, you know, it's just something that, that, you know, maybe we can consider. Um, you know, he's shown that he has a, a sharp football IQ. His, you know, his hands are good. He says that he feels like a Patriot. He's excited to be playing. Um, and, you know, if you look at the stats, you know, in his second season with the uh, New York Giants, the one that they won the Super Bowl, um, he played well. You know, and uh, he averaged like 16 yards per catch. Four, he had four touchdowns. He had 60 targets. Uh, he had 38 receptions on those 60 targets. So that's like 63%. You know, he's not, you know, and we have depth at the position too. We have Daniel Fells and Michael Huma, Manawuna. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The Hawaiian guy. You know what I'm saying. Humanawanawa. <laughs> is that what his name is? Humanawa. I, I, I think so. I mean, I'm not one to. I can't correct you on that because I, I really don't know. Yeah. I can never pronounce his name anyways. Yeah, we all know um, what we're talking about. The guy with a long Hawaiian last name, the big dude. Um, but, you know, we have depth at the position, the position if need be. And uh, I think that nothing bad could come of letting Gr- uh, Gronkowski sit. As long as he's not partying in Vegas or doing stupid stuff. like Yeah, you know, body slamming his friends on, you know, the Vegas dance floor. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, as long as he's not doing that, I think that, you know, it's, it's um, something that, should be thought about. I really do. So, I mean, we'll see how his rehab goes, but that's what I think. All right. So real quick along that line, Damiana, uh, excuse me, Danny Amendola. Um, from what I heard, he's doing great in OTAs. Uh, he, you know, he, he seems to be clicking a little bit with uh, Tom Brady, which is obviously what we want him to do, but don't get it twisted. Everybody He's not Wes Walker. So I'm going to go ahead and say that real quick. Um, but what do you think? Do you think he's going to go ahead and uh, you think he's going to be a playmaker for us? Yeah, I do. I think that he's been playing in the slot a lot. So that's he's basically taking on the responsibility that Wes Welker left. Obviously, he's not going to have – and I don't want people to expect that he's going to be as good as Wes Welker was because of the chemistry that he had formed with Tom Brady. And, you know, it's it doesn't take – you know, you, you can obviously see that it's it's going to be a little shaky at first, I'm sure. But according yeah. to OTAs, you know, and Nesson put up an article, I believe it was today, um, earlier today, that – he looked very comfortable in that he had this huge catch uh, and that he's been playing well. Um, I, you know, he beat Alfonso Denard, one of our big cornerbacks. Uh, and, you know, it's it's tough to gauge how successful he's going to be. I think that in OTAs, you know, he's showing signs that he's, you know, really beginning to understand the system. And, you know, he, he worked with Josh McDaniels in St. Louis. So yeah. he, he's familiar well, with the offense. Absolutely um, he is. Um He's very familiar with the offense, and it, it uh, you know, I, I'm going to go on a limb, and I know you know anybody that's in the chat room will probably yell at me for this, or anybody listening. Tom Brady can make anybody look spectacular. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I and it, he's proven it time and time again. You got to remember back in 2006, I believe he made Rashe Caldwell look like he was a good wide receiver. So. You know, if he can make old wide-eyed seem pretty good, then he can go ahead and make Danny Amendola a pretty good uh, wide receiver. <laughs> Big old wide-eyed. Big old wide-eyed. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think that he's going to be able to make a pretty good contribution if he can stay healthy. Um, and, you know, that's the best the big kind of wild card thing, that he needs to stay healthy in order to make an impact. And if he can stay healthy – According to what people are saying in the OTAs and according to how he looks like he's playing, he looks like he's, you know, fit into the system. He understands the system and that he's excited to play and that he's going to make a contribution this season. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good assessment. Now, going back uh, to what Michael was asking us, um, you know, about the Bruins uh, taking at the game, you know, seven games or whatever. What do you think that the Patriots – how do you think they're going to do this year? Do you think – Oh, thinking, gosh. I, I know I'm taking a shot in the dark and stuff like that, but, I mean, do you think that, you know, they're a playoff team? Oh, think- as long as Tom Brady's on the team, they're a playoff team. Okay. I think. Um, I think that they – I think that they beat up their offense. Um, their interior line is looking good. Um, mm-hmm. I think that – I mean, it's really going to come down to – I think they're going to make the playoffs, undoubtedly. I'm, you know, with the Broncos as stacked as they are now um, – and you know contenders like Houston in the AFC, right? It, do you see? Okay, let me let me stop you real quick. Where do you see the Baltimore Ravens then? Um, because they they lost they lost a lot of guys, but they did really really well in the draft. So yeah, do you well, do you see them being probably the Patriots' 
AFC, you know, foes again? Do you see? No, I don't see them being the AFC foes. I think that our biggest threat is probably the Broncos. Um, and after that, I would put the Texans, and then after that, I would say, um, Baltimore maybe. I mean, it's it's tough to it's uh, you're putting me in a tough spot right now. It's it's. <laughs> I know it's early. I know it's early. I just it was just something that was kind of eating me alive. I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Well, um, I think that right now, I mean, Peyton Manning is by far the smartest football player that we've seen, uh, that I've seen ever in my 21 years of watching sports. Um, <laughs> you were watching sports when you were like... No, but I'm just saying, old- in my <laughs> life, and yes, I am 21, in my life, um, I have not seen anyone smarter than, you know, he understands the game so well, and now he's got a weapon like Wes Welker, and, you know, Thomas is our, is still there, and... Um, right, right, right. It's it's tough. I think that they're going to be the best offense uh, this year. Um, but we'll, we'll see how Gronk and Amendola do. Um, I mean, Gronk, as in recovery, Amendola is. Let's see if he can stay healthy and and maintain a high level of play. Okay. Um, you know, honestly, it it could be we could you know if M- if Amendola works out, we could be playing you know like we were. When we we're winning Super Bowls, we could get there again, but it's tough to say. It really is. And uh, Wes Walker's going to hurt us. We're not going to have Wes. It's going to. That's going to be the biggest part. I think our defense has been beefed up significantly from the draft. I think that, you know, Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower, who were out of last year's draft class, are going to be, you know, one yeah, year gonna, in, and they're going to be yeah, they're exactly. going to be playing yep. better. So, yep. um, you know, that's we'll see. I think that honestly, we're going to be okay. I think that we're going to be either the two or three. I think that Broncos are probably going to be the number one, but. It's tough to say, and, uh, you know, let's go past. <laughs> All right. Well, there was another thing. I, I, I saw this rumor go on yesterday that um, Peyton Manning was, is possibly thinking about retiring after this season. Do you do you think there's any truth to that? I don't know. I can't retire. I mean, he might be – oh, this might be the year where he can, like, win a championship and then go out and retire. Um, I said he loves the game way too much. He's like Brett Favre, kind of. Like he loves the game oh, way too much. Don't um, don't, don't well, no, ever no, compare not, anybody to Brett Favre. <laughs> well, no, no. I'm just saying that he loves the game and that that will keep him in for as long as he can stay in. I know that he had that terrible neck injury, and uh, he's you know, people were saying oh, he's not gonna be the same. And then he came out and he was great. Um, yeah, well, he was slow at first, but yeah, he did he did prove himself to be uh, the Peyton Manning of old. You know what I mean? Obviously, yeah, he's but, not he's not as mobile. Well, not that he was ever really mobile, but. He's not as mobile as he once was. Um, I think. I mean, I think it's a possibility. I mean, if he goes ahead, you know, he sees what um, John Elway's done over there and picking up the players. Obviously, they lost. Um, uh, who's that defensive player that they lost to a fax machine? Uh, I know. He, I forget his name. Uh, people uh, in the chat room, help me out. You. Uh, um. Anyways, they you know they lost their. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about too. Tom, he, went to, right? he went to Baltimore, didn't he? Yes. Oh Amer- no! What's his name? No, Thomas. No, that's not him. No. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyways, you know what I mean. He saw. He's seen what they've done with their team, and they kind of beefed it up and stuff like that. Even though they lost that guy, um, I, I feel, I feel that you know it, it could, it could finally be Vaughn Miller. If, that's it. Vaughn Miller. Whew. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Everywhere. Every, oh, Evis. No, there it is. See, everybody's telling us. Dumbreville. Okay. Von Miller. Oh, <laughs> Duberville. Elvis Duberville. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's embarrassing. All right, whatever. Uh, yeah. So we go ahead and uh, we just made asses out of ourselves. That's all right. It happens. <laughs> um, Duberville. Yeah, I got I got John yelling at me now. That <laughs> name is Elvis Duberville. I'm sorry. That's so not rememberable. That's like so not memorable. Whatever. Um, um, anyways, but you can see that the Broncos went ahead and they beefed it up. So you know this could be this could be his. Uh, this is his 16th year. Peyton Manning. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's you know that's that's a long that's a long time, and he's an old guy. Um, so he's 37 years old, and the league is getting more and more physical. So, um, yeah, you know, you never know. Uh, this could be it. And you know what? If you know, you see what Ray Lewis did when he was like, "Oh, I'm retiring. Let's win this for me," and then he motivated his team to win. Right. Um, exactly. So you know, it's something that he can be using to motivate his team, but it's tough to say, you know, oh, this is when he's retiring. Like I said, like, he loves the game so much. It's been a part of his life for 16 years, more than 16 years. Um, You know, it's tough to to say that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so, New England Patriots, you're saying playoff team. They're saying 
the Denver Broncos. I can go ahead and concur with that. It's going to be a tough season this year for them. They, if they could stay healthy, then, you know, they got a really good shot at going ahead and, um, I think, making it all the way. But that's, I mean, that's no, I, me being a homer, so. No, no, but honestly, Tom Brady, like you said, can elevate the play of people around him. And Tom Brady is, you know, I don't care. There's a lot of Tom Brady haters. He wears Uggs. Yeah, get over it. Um, <laughs> he, he's uh, one of the best uh, quarterbacks, you know, and he was drafted so low. And, yeah. you yeah. know. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, in my opinion, and I can make every comparison I want to Joe Montana, and um, I'm entitled to that because he's such a great player, and um, and that's that's objective, fairly objective. Um, obviously, you know, he can raise, he can elevate Danny Amendola's play. If Danny Amendola can stay healthy, he could be a guy who eventually plays like almost at the level as Wes Walker. I don't think anyone will be as good. With with Tom Brady as Wes Walker was personally, yeah, um, absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, so let me ask you a quick question then. Uh, you know, we got about you know just under four minutes. If if Bill Belichick went, say go say the uh, New England Patriots go ahead and say they win it all this year, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Do you think Bill Belichick will finally walk off into the sunset? No. You know, he's no. You're saying no. No. Why? Why is that? I just don't think he will. I think he. I think that he's going to keep on wanting to win. Uh, I mean, it's Bill Belichick we're talking about. It's you know the Dark Lord, whatever you want to call him. He's one of the. He's my favorite coach. He's. Uh, okay. Know. Well, do you think that if he if he goes ahead and does win? No, I don't think he's. Gonna do you retire. think? No. Well, do you think Robert Kraft would offer him some sort of higher position? You know what I mean? Like in, in the in the uh, in the organization. Um. I mean, we're talking super hypothetical here. I, I, that's tough to say, man. I don't know. I think that he is. I think that the place for him to be is a coaching position until he can't coach. I really do because you know he's he he's the best. I, he's the best coach in football, and and the what he did with the Patriots, like the way he turned them around, the way you know, I guess. Stumbling onto Tom Brady was pretty lucky, but having you know he he's one of the best coaches. I think that he's gonna stay at the position for as long as he can because he's good at it and he's one of the best at it. Um, so yeah, you know I think that he he stays at a coaching position even if they win it all. Um, I think that's where he's supposed to be. I think that him and Tom Brady are one of the best coach um, quarterback, quarterback. candidates to ever play. That's that's saying a lot. I, I think we got a call. We do, but I don't think we're gonna. Um, I don't think we're gonna have time to be honest with you to take it. We only got two minutes left. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this real quick. Thank you guys for tuning in to our first live show. It was a little rough. I know. I'm sorry about that. But we're still getting used to this whole thing. Um, I want to go ahead and say thank you to Jonathan and Mike for giving us a, the opportunity to do this. Um, without you guys, obviously, we wouldn't be here. Um, tomorrow, tune in to Trivia Friday at with Fan Junkies Radio with Jonathan and Mike at at 12 o'clock. They will go ahead and they will stump each other. It's pretty funny to listen to. If you can, call in, join in, um, ask questions yourself, do what you got to do because these guys, they know their stuff. It's good, you know, it's good radio. Um, other than that, you know, search for us on Twitter at Sports Blogger. Um, find us on Facebook. Join FanJunkies.net, the whole deal. So, without further ado, Scott, do you have anything to say? Um, actually, can I give a shout out? Is that all right? Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to Erica Ozier, um, because she helped promote and she's been helping us and she's been asking me questions and helping me research. So, I wanted to give her a shout out. I also want to say, uh, follow me on Twitter, please at Bear Blooney, B-E-A-R-B-L-U-N-I, and um, yeah, like us on Facebook and uh. Can't wait for next week's show. You know, that was a little, I was a little nervous at first, but that was a lot of fun. I had fun. That was so. fun. It was definitely, you could definitely tell we were a little rough around the edges, but you know, we got it going. Um, like I said, thanks to John and Mike for calling in, calming us down a little bit. So we got going on that. Um, and also I'd like to give a shout out real quick to my beautiful wife, Ellen. Oh, I know Ellen. You're listening. I know you're listening upstairs. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks Tune guys. Tune in next week.
John? Yes? Is it over? I think so. I think that went pretty well. Dude, I think I think we stumbled at the end because we were, like, trying to buy time. <laughs> but Jonathan just hit me up and said, good job, guy. Good job on your first show. I hope it ended. I think it's done. I think we did it. It's not live anymore. No, I, I just ended it. <laughs>